Hello and welcome to the Perfect Puzzle. I'm going to start a study today on the book of Habakkuk. It's a short book. It's only three chapters long. It's one of the minor prophets. Uh, and I've titled this, this uh, session, Why Doesn't God Seem Fair? Uh, Habakkuk was the last of the minor prophets to, to uh, preach in Judah, the southern kingdom, before the Babylonian invasion. That invasion was led by Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, in fact, they invaded Judah on three separate occasions before finally transporting the Jews into Babylonian captivity in 586 B.C. Habakkuk, Habakkuk ministered in the years immediately before Nebuchadnezzar's first invasion, and he probably wrote his book sometime around 609 B.C. The times that Habakkuk lived in were troubling. The, there were, the days were dark, ominous signs on the horizon. Uh, having already formed an alliance with the Medes to overthrow the Assyrians, the Babylonians would continue to rise in power under the leadership of Nebuchadnezzar. From internal evidence, we know that Habakkuk began his ministry actually around 630 B.C. And he ministered for a number of years before he wrote his book. Now, we don't know very much about Habakkuk personally. Uh, on the basis of the last verse in, it, in his book, he writes to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. You can assume he was a priest before he was a prophet because it was the Levites who wrote the songs and played the instruments in the temple. Now, that's going to put him in the same situation as a contemporary of his, a prophet named Jeremiah, because Jeremiah was also a priest before he was called to be a prophet. So, you've got two men who are called from priestly ministry into a prophetic ministry. They ministered in the days immediately before the Babylonian invasion. Now, the priestly ministry was much more regimented than the prophetic ministry. Priests had certain prescribed activities they performed each and every day. They followed the Levitical calendar, you know, with its feasts and festivals throughout the year. The prophetic ministry, on the other hand, was anything but regimented and ordered. The prophets didn't have any kind of structure. They were moved by the Lord to do whatever and whenever, however they were guided. Isaiah was told to make a point by taking off his clothes and walking naked through the land, getting people's attention and explaining to them the naked truth about their situation. Hosea was told to marry a prostitute as an illustration of God's redemptive ability in embracing people who are unfaithful to him. Ezekiel was told to chop off his hair and throw it in the fire. Prophetic ministry was not an easy one. It's very difficult. These men are called to do radical things to get the attention of people who had grown so hard-hearted that God was willing to go to great extremes to get them to listen. If Habakkuk had previously enjoyed being a minstrel in the temple, not sure what his reaction was when he was called to be a prophet. We do know what Jeremiah's Jeremiah's reaction was from Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 6. Jeremiah said, O Lord, not me, I am but a youth. Now, bear in mind, Jeremiah was probably about 30 years old at that time, but he's trying to find any reason why he shouldn't be thrust into the ministry of a prophet. 
So let's have a word of prayer. And we'll jump right into right into this book. Father, we thank you uh, that we can study your word. We thank you that it's readily available. We ask you, Lord, to to guide us in learning and help us understand what your prophet Habakkuk has to say to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> At the beginning of his ministry, Habakkuk saw the people, you know, they went through a revival of sorts in the days of King Josiah. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and at the age of 16, Second Chronicles 34.3 tells us, while he was yet young, Josiah sought the Lord. At eight, when he was 20 years old, Josiah ordered a remodeling of the temple. Uh, while they were doing the remodeling, they found a copy of the law. That's in Second Chronicles 34, verse 14. And because the country had been so wicked, uh, not a single copy of the scripture could be found in the entire land. So when this copy was uncovered in the temple, people were amazed. Uh, as Josiah read it, he came to realize how far Judah was from where she should be. He wept for the Lord and called the people to seek God, observe the festivals and feast of Israel once again. And a great revival seemed to, seemed to follow that. But the reality is no one can legislate spirituality. There was reformation, but there was not regeneration. People went through the outward motions. Their hearts were not right toward the Lord. They attended the services. They enjoyed the festivals. But they didn't personally respond to the Lord. So Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Jeremiah, and others were on the scene. Prophets calling the people to true spirituality. Not just a religiosity. But that they would come to a genuine relationship with God. Then Josiah grew old. He left the scene. Then came his son Jehoiakim. Now Jehoiakim was an evil king. Uh, Jeremiah gave him a scroll concerning how he should behave himself. Well, Jehoiakim cut the scroll into pieces and threw them into a fire. So Jeremiah wrote another scroll. Only this time his message against Jehoiakim was stronger. And the prophesied future of Judah was even bleaker. That's in Jeremiah 36:32. The spiritual climate was degenerating rapidly. Revival had happened a few years previously. Didn't affect the people on a deep level. They had a new king who was wicked. People were plunged into immorality. Leaving Habakkuk to wonder, Lord, why don't you judge your people? Why aren't you working? Where are you? You know, Maybe you've noticed, just like Habakkuk did, there are a lot of questions in life that are difficult to answer. When you think about it, you know, why do they say an alarm clock is going off when it's really coming on? You know, that that kind of bothers me. Why do they say that you drive on a parkway, but you park on a driveway? Why is it people say, I slept through the night like a baby, when everyone knows a baby wakes up just about every two to three hours crying? If you throw a cat out of a moving car, is it called kitty litter? You know, there are some difficult questions in life. And Habakkuk asked three questions in a row. There are actually three ways of asking the same thing. God, why aren't you being fair? 
First he asks, How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you, you don't listen. Have you ever asked God that? God, I need help. God, you said you'd help. God, you said you'd answer my prayers. Then I pray for help. You don't help. How come? How come I pray and nothing happens? I'm sure some of you have felt that way. You prayed for things. You knew you were praying in accordance with God's will. Prayed for things that were good, but God didn't do it. Maybe you continued praying in faith, saying, well, if I just pray continually, maybe then God will do it. Nothing happens. And eventually you start to ask yourself, does God even care? Is he interested in my situation? Is he listening? God, how come, you know, this guy over here, he's praying, and it seems like you do things for them right away. But when I pray, you don't do anything. God, why is that? You know, I, I try to raise my kids according to your word, but all my kids are messed up now. That guy, my neighbor guy over there, he's a lousy dad. He never even took his kids to church. His kids seem okay. You know, God, what's up with that? How come I try to do what your word says financially and I'm struggling to make ends meet? My neighbor over there, he's an atheist and he's prospering. How come I've got these headaches that don't go away? How come I'm battling depression? Or how come someone I love is having a hard time? You know, God, it seems like you could do something, but you're not doing it. God, how come you're not listening? And that's Habakkuk's first question. Then he asks a second question. When I cry out to you violence, why don't you save? You know, Habakkuk's saying, God, I don't know if you noticed, but the bad guys are winning. There's violence, they're getting away with it. There's crime, murder, rape, theft, and nobody's getting punished for it. There's no justice. You know, God, can't you see? People are being hurt. I cry out begging you to get involved, stop violence and the sin, but you don't show up. You don't fix it. Why is that, God? Why don't you do that? Then he asks God two more questions. They're basically the same question. Why do you make me look at injustice is the first one. And the second one is why do you tolerate wrong? You know, Habakkuk say in another word, you know, I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of this injustice. I'm sick of people doing bad stuff and getting away with it. Do you ever feel like that? Some of us get to a place where we don't even want to read the newspaper. We don't even want to watch the news. You know, it's all mayhem and carnage and bloodshed. If you watch the nightly news, you, you know, it, you're going to get completely depressed thinking, you know, I about had it. That's all I can handle. You know, that's why at the end of every newscast, they always end with some story about a kitty cat and some little girl that adopted it. You know, they show you all these shootings and terrorists and all the bad stuff. And then they'll say, oh, we'll be back in a minute. Wait, don't kill yourself. We got a story about a kitty cat. So you actually get one good piece of news so you can say, well, the world's not all bad. Maybe I'll give it another shot tomorrow. And I think that's where many Christians are. You're about sick of living on this earth. You know, why do you think the most popular Christian books, the most popular Christian movies, are all about the rapture and the end, the end times? You know, people are asking a big question. When do we get out of here? When can we leave? I'm so sick of it that I want to read books that tell me we're going to leave any day now. So I can just sit around and eat food that, that ends in Ito's. 
watch TV and escape from life. Maybe I'll buy some. Uh, maybe I'll buy some guns and bullets and canned goods so I can protect me and my family when the balloon goes up. And I'll forget about the rest of the world because I'm leaving and then God's going to burn the whole place up. I'm going to dance at the bonfire. It's going to be glorious. That's exactly where Habakkuk was. He's sick of it. He's fed up and he's going, how come I've got to look at this? How come i got to put up with this? It's a cesspool. And I have to live in it and I want to get out of it. You know. Well, some of you might be saying, well, obviously Habakkuk just didn't have enough faith. You know, if he had more faith, he wouldn't have asked questions like that. That's wrong. You know, it's easy to look down on people when things are going fine for you. But the reason God chose Habakkuk to speak to Judah was because he did have a lot of faith. But he also, like many of us, Saw a whole bunch of things that didn't seem to line up with his faith in God. So he had some questions. How does God answer his questions? Well, let me tell you. You're not going to like the answer. And Habakkuk didn't like it. And you won't either. God's basic answer is, yeah, yes. I do see all the wickedness. And so, for your own good, I'm going to punish you. Have you ever asked God, you know, please show me what you're doing? Well, you know, the truth is you might not want to know because you might not like the answer. Habakkuk did not like the answer he got. And we'll talk more about that when we get into chapter 1 next time. Until then, this is the perfect puzzle.